Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need, when you need it, with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Well, it's kind of the better you get, the better you better get. Right. Because the better you get, (laughs) the more mature you get, but the more mature you get, the more complex your life gets. Not complicated, but complex. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Aaron Dignan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Rodney Evans. Hello, hello. And today we are also joined by David Allen, the founder of the David Allen Company and the author of Getting Things Done, aka GTD, aka how lots of the people at the ready get their stuff off their plate and move on. Um, David, welcome to the show. Delighted to be here, guys. Uh, happy to join. Thanks for the invitation. Of course. Um, on today's episode, we're going to talk about getting things done now. So kind of the intersection between your work and the things that you've done, the moment we're in. Um, we'll probably touch briefly on holacracy and both of our you know experiences with that. We'll, we'll bounce around. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we have to check in to get we present, do. to get oriented, to be we ready. We must, and we will. All right. And so, uh, as we always do in our Freaky Friday episodes, our illustrious je- guest will join us in our check-in round. And our question for today is going to be this one. What is something that has recently surprised you? So, Aaron, we'll start with you, and then I will go next, and David can finish up for us. Yeah. So let's see. Um, I guess the thing that has surprised me most lately, and I know this is a very uh, kind of boring observation, is just how irrational the stock market is. You know, I I used to think that it was irrational, but I didn't realize the extent to which. And I feel like between the events of the big short and OA and this, I'm like, yeah, I don't get it. Like, yeah. I just don't get it. I, I feel like I, yeah, there are things going on there that are as mysterious to me as anything else in the universe. So I, um, yeah, I, sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I get it wrong, but I am surprised at that. And in the moment where we have like 20 million people out of work, the market's just like, it's fine. It's like 2018, you know, late 2018 right now. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Also, also pandemic related. I have been surprised by the variety in response to what's going on, particularly by companies. So I would have expected based on movies about outbreaks that when this happens, someone starts to do the thing that they think is the right thing. And then everybody else does that same thing because it seems like the right thing Mm. to do. And actually what we're seeing right now is not that at all. And so you have some organizations that are going very people positive in their response to this and others that are sort of uh, muscling through in much more of like a mercenary uh, 
maybe greed-oriented way. And I don't know what part of my naive brain didn't think it would be that way, uh, but mm. it is. And I've been surprised uh, when I read headlines about um, you know us continuing to put our employees in harm's way. So, um, so yeah, that's been a, a somewhat disappointing surprise to me. I was just gonna say, I always say it takes all kinds, but I'm not sure it does. I could, do, I would, I could do without some of the kinds. I wish it didn't. Yeah, um, David, what about you? What's something that has recently surprised you? Well, you know, I've been doing quite a number of podcasts and interviews over the last couple of weeks since the pandemic started, and you know, everybody's interested in my take on working from home and you know, what do you do with that? And you know, there's a part of me that it, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a surprise, but it actually is. I haven't worked in an office since 1981. So, wow. you know, I kind of scratch my head call. So working from home, isn't that cool? I mean, they, what, <laughs> you know, come on, isn't that the way the world is going and how many people I think are out of their comfort zone, you know, with dealing with now, like I have to be at, I have to stay at home and, you know, surprising to me, uh, how broad a swath that is of people that are, uh, grappling with out of their comfort zone with that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it, it's it's wild. The flailing, the flailing is intense. <laughs> the flailing is intense. Um, so David, just to get grounded, I guess I'm going to ask a really simple question to start for those, I guess there are people out there that haven't read or maybe haven't recently read your work. Um, what does it mean to get things done? Like how, what, give us the kind of 60 second, you know, worldview so that we can get grounded in that. And then we'll, and then we'll get into the more interesting stuff. Okay, well, the way you get things done is you define what done means and what doing looks like and where it happens. <laughs> There's your 10-second there answer. We only needed I six seconds what a, what as it nice turned bit. out. <laughs> and, and just to dig a tiny bit deeper, what, what is it about that that most people get wrong? Like what is the, what is the present state that, that doesn't match that? They spin without a specific desired outcome clarified and structured and focused in front of them. And, yeah. and they spin without a specific next action about how do I a allocate my attention and my activities toward moving the needle toward that final outcome. And they're spinning in between all of that. And yeah, it creates yeah. a, an overwhelming amount of ambient anxiety. And you know where I spin still uh, when, in my practice is the interplay between all of that clarity and structure and planning and, and all that with the discipline of my own energy and my own motivation and, you know, being able to be present to the, the right work at the right time. Um, I still have not mastered that. So if you have any uh, pearls of wisdom on that, on taming your inner ADD demon, um, you know, that's, sure. that's the last stop well, on the train for me. Aaron, what would it be like if you didn't have the problem? I think I would just sit down and do the right things in the right order. How would that feel? I think it would feel highly productive and, and uh, satisfying. Great, great affirmation. So there's, <laughs> a, you want to know, that's, there's your desired outcome. So what's your next yeah. action? I think my next action is to try to do that today. Uh, there, there is no try. <laughs> okay, Yoda. <laughs> Grasshopper, you know, come on. Yeah. So next, next action is to, well, what would I see you do if you were doing that? Yeah, I think I would just start the day with the most important, you know, thing on the list and make that the habit. And how would you do that? You'd see me at the desk. You'd see me, uh, you know, maybe setting a timer or doing it in a Pomodoro style or something like that. Um, probably going to bed the right time the night before. Uh, so that I wake up with the right level of energy and focus and commitment. And if you don't do that, how would you feel? 
I think you just get, you know, a little bit uh, under energized and you end up being more distractible, more, you know, kind of harried, um, just unfocused. Uh, I, I, this may be just a sidebar, maybe hopefully, hopefully it's not off tack in terms of where you want to go. But yeah. one of the things I learned years ago, especially working with affirmations, which I've done for, you know, 40 years, is that it's always a good idea to build in resilience. You know, I love the feeling of being focused on exactly the most appropriate thing I should put my attention on and mm -hmm. how good and confident it feels. And when I'm not, that I am gracious with myself and bring myself, as soon as I'm conscious of it, back to the game again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like so you that. Build in, you build in resilience, so you also affirm when I find myself off that game. Right, right. It's absolutely fine, you know, to, to hop back on the surfboard again. I love that. That's great. So I'm wondering for folks that are already struggling with that, and now you add into that working from home amidst a pandemic with kids trying to get, you know, some kind of version or semblance of an education with spouses, with partners with animals and pets, um, does that change anything? Does it make it harder? How would you, how, how are you kind of thinking about advising folks in this moment to, to get things done or are you, or are you letting us off the hook? Oh no, not at all. As a matter of fact, it's, it's times like these, you know, the try men's soul to quote somebody. It's times <laughs> like, you know, it's times like these that really test the metal in terms of how well you manage yourself. And a lot of what getting things done is about is actually giving you some best practices about how you deal with surprise, how, how you deal with things you don't expect. And, you know, that's why, you know, my second book was called Ready for Anything. Mm -hmm. And it's really about how do I get present so I can bring myself present again. The problem is, is when you get, move into these kinds of major transition changes, and that could be, you know, come on, our testimonials over all these years from getting things done and people that have you know, that had become practitioners, whereas, wow, I really didn't realize how powerful and useful it was until I bought my house, until I sold my house, until I got divorced, until I got married, until I discovered I have a life-threatening illness, until I suddenly inherited elder care for my mom, until I suddenly yada, yada, yada. Right, you know? right. So uh, it's at those kind of times. And for the most part, most people fall off their self-management game in those kinds of transitions. If you're really mature with, for instance, the getting things done methodologies and best practices and principles, then that's when you step up to them when those things happen. Mm -hmm. It's like it forces you to say, wait a minute, I need to sit down and empty my head, bring myself to current reality. What's true now? What's my desired outcome now with this changed reality? What's my next step to move the needle toward that? So mm -hmm. that's, you know, in spades the application of the thought process, you know, of getting things done. And this is the kind of time you would need to do that. And not only that, you know, down at the operational side of, of the game, you would need to say, you know, you need to step back and do some version of the weekly review. Hey, come on, let me lift up a little bit and look around. What's true now? What are the things that have my attention, you know, in terms of the areas of focus and accountability and responsibility? Kids at home now, a home office now. Oh, my God, uh, how am I going to manage my team now? Etc. So defining then what are the, the sub projects, the outcome is, hey, let me get my life onto cruise control again. Mm -hmm. That's the big project for a lot of people right now. Right. <laughs> and then, okay, what are the sub pieces of that? What are the things that, that you're going to need to handle to get your life onto cruise control? Okay. I need to, you know, get a, a good system set up for my kids at home. 
I need to make sure I've got a home office set up that's discreet, that's useful for me. So, you know, I need to, to refine my cockpit. If I don't have one, I need to set one up. If I got one, I need to refine it. You know, so it becomes when I sit there, I'm in the cockpit and in the game again, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera. So what are the projects that need to need to be defined and the sub outcomes that need to be defined now that you're in the new situation? Yeah, that that makes a ton of sense. And one question that that brings up for me, David, is sizing those. So where I see a lot of people get stuck is in the loftiness of their ambition. And, you know, they get sort of the end state visualized, they write down an outcome that feels really right to them. And then the first project that they pick off is way too big to actually create momentum and they get stuck. So when somebody is trying to create a routine, maybe for the first time amidst this chaos, what do you tell them about what those sub projects and sort of the altitude of those outcomes should be? Well, you know, the, the, the getting things done model is the five steps or the five stages of how do you get focused and in control anytime where you capture collect or you capture and clarify and organize and reflect and engage that's i didn't make those up i just identified what you do when you get your kitchen under control or a meeting mm-hmm. under control or your desk <laughs> under control and so you might need to go to any one of those steps and so one of the first steps would be well what has your attention about any of that mm-hmm. you know, oh my god I, you know, who's going to walk the dog now or you know how do i handle this and how do we set up the kids to make sure that they are getting virtual schooling and, you know, whatever, and do a real mind sweep, as we call it, just a data dump out of your head. Just get it, get what has your attention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really, really all you have to do is start to identify everything that has your attention. And then you can then back it up from there. Then you need to clarify, okay, you wrote that down. You got it out of your head. Great. What's the, what's the next action? What do you need Mm -hmm. to do? And by the way, if one action won't finish, whatever this thing is, then you've got a project. So you can build your projects. Oftentimes when we coach people, then when they're not in a kind of a crisis situation, the first thing to do is literally empty their head with everything that has their attention mm-hmm. and then go through them one at a time and go, well, great. Uh, what's the next step? If there is one, there may not be. It might be reference material. It might be someday maybe I might do that. And it might be just, God, what a dumb idea. I don't need to do that at all. Mm-hmm. If it is something that you need to move on, if it's an actionable item, then what's the next action? And if one action won't finish it, what's the project? So that's a standard sort of workflow process that, you know, the getting things done sort of solidified or, or, or formulated or, or identified really in terms of what you need to do. So that it's a pretty simple step. You don't have to go very far. Just go, hey, what's got your attention? Write it down. What's your next step? And is there some outcome past a one-step thing that you need to keep track of until it's done? Is there, I'm just curious, uh, as, as someone who also, you know, advises systems and, and tries to take my own advice, is there a part about the, the getting things done theory or the advice you often give others that you personally struggle with the most? Like, what do you think is hardest about this? Um, I'm sure, you know, after many years, you've really kind of mastered it, but is there anything that still kind of gets your goat? Nothing gets my goat so much as I'm just fellow student. I just have to do everything everybody has to do all the time, too. <laughs> you know, come on. Well, it's kind of the better you get, the better you better get. Right. Because right. the better you get, <laughs> the more that. mature you get, the more but the more mature you get, the more complex your life gets. Not complicated, but complex. Mm-hmm. You know, to you Which actually... <laughs> you know, just stealing that from your book, by the way. That's a great distinction. Yeah, I know it. 
It is, and actually, it brings me to another question I had uh, I had planned to ask, which is when you were first originating this work and starting to kind of build this theory, were you aware of complexity as a concept, or did it did it sort of emerge and happen to happen to work well in a complex environment? Uh, the latter. Yeah, yeah it just happens to work. I, actually, just reading your book said, oh. Oh yeah, I guess that's what this does. <laughs> so <laughs> 35 years later I'm going, "Oh yeah, I guess this does." Well, I knew, you know, I had was slightly familiar with cybernetics many, many years sure. ago okay. in the beginning of this. In other words, if you're trying to make something complex simple, you need an equally complex system in order to simplify it. Right. Yeah, the law of requisite variety. Yeah, and the problem um, is is most people are trying to manage a very complex thing called life with too simple <laughs> a system, and that makes it even worse. And let me let me, you know, spin that a little bit further because uh, one of the things I loved when I, when, you know, when Brian Robertson and I hooked up together, you know, 10 years ago, um, where, you know, he, he sort of became, you know, religious about GTD and then said, how come when I walk into my company, you know, we kind of lose the mind like water space. Mm. And the, the whole idea is I can be really clear, you know, Rodney, you and Aaron can be really clear personally, but as soon as we all get together, we just magnified exponentially the complexity that's yes. going to happen relative to clarity of agreements. And so, you know, Brian just did such an elegant job of really digging into, you know, building a complex system that that can, you know, uh, as best as possible anyway, uh, sort of get bring clarity to that complexity of people work, working together. That's a very different game than just individually implementing, getting things done. It's still the same principles. Sure. You know, he calls it no. tension. I call it attention. You know, what has your attention? <laughs> well, and we think of it as fractal all the way up, too. I mean, from the individual to the team, to the team of teams, to the org, to the society and culture. Like, it's, you know, it's the same game everywhere. Mm -hmm. One thing that occurs to me when I think about uh, getting things done and holacracy is the importance of making things explicit. And uh, whether you're talking about, you know, doing the data dump from your head, whether you're talking about in holacracy, keeping things like governance records and working agreements updated, there's a really heavy emphasis placed on articulation and documentation and having things out there. Can you just talk a little bit about like why that's important and also maybe why in a lot of systems there is a hesitance or a resistance to doing that? I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know that I have a good answer to your, the last question. Uh, I do know that um, one of the things over all my 35 years or gee, almost 40 years now in, in a consulting practice is that when things are weird, all <laughs> you have to do is go to current reality. What's a current reality? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what's real, what's true right now. And people just so tend to generalize. Oh my God, everybody's leaving the company. Well, yeah. who exactly is leaving the company? Well, Susan said she thought she might want to go. And so people then start to generalize, <laughs> you know, and, and exaggerate uh, and overblow. And because they're not being explicit, they're emotionally reacting and responding, then trying to put a cognitive, you know, uh, framework on that. Uh -huh. And that never works. There's no, there's no solution to that. I mean, come on, if you, if you pull out a map, if you want to get somewhere, you know, in Denver or in Durham, you know, what's the first thing you look at? Where you are. Exactly. Yep. If you don't know where you are, even if you see the three of us can all agree on where we want to go, 
Sure. Hey, there's our goal. Wow. But if the three of us have a different perception of what current reality is, we're still going to want to shoot each other because I'm going to say we need to turn <laughs> left. You need to say we need to turn right. I'm going to say we need to go fast. You can say, no, we're close already because we don't have a we don't have agreement about what current reality is. Yeah. So the, the explicit and, and that's why people often resist the getting things done process, because in, just from a personal standpoint, it's getting very explicit. What are your agreements with yourself? Yeah. What's got your attention? And people yes. resist it like the plague. They do resist it. Because it actually, it, it forces you to actually engage with it appropriately. Yeah. And it forces you to get out of that sort of generalization and exaggeration that you described that I I think to us in, you know, in moments of chaos or just in moments of discomfort, it can feel quite soothing in the moment, in the short term to say like, everybody's leaving, you know, Rome is burning, et cetera. And the discipline to articulate what is real and what is actually happening, um, even though in the in the slightly longer term, that does help us and it does move us forward and it does feel better. I, it feels to me like there is a, a switch in there that that we need to to make oh, sure. and be willing well, to make. Well, it's a very subtle but very profound change. See, if I say Rome is burning. Um, you only complain or worry about things that you assume or wish were different. You're just not engaged in making it so. Mm. And so the, those kind of generalizations allow you to blame the external world. Yes. And not do anything. And it allows you to then, you know, relish your complaining and your victimizing of yourself. <laughs> and yeah. see, the, 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 the interesting thing and where, you know, the getting things done principles really apply at a pretty, pretty sublime level and actually universally is that it's not as much about getting things done, you know, physically doing, working and getting stuff done as it is being appropriately engaged with your life. So mm -hmm. you're present with whatever's going on. So how do you get appropriately engaged with the pandemic? Are you appropriately engaged right now with your cat? Are you appropriately engaged with your desk? Are you appropriately engaged with this podcast? And it's all about appropriate engagement. And the things that have your attention is just things that are not yet appropriately engaged. Mm. It, it, that's not bad. That's not a negative. That's not a judgment. It's just saying there's still decisions about it you haven't made or mm. you haven't parked the results in some place that's going to trigger the appropriate action. And so... That's why the algorithm, you know, that I figured out over all these years about how do you get your head clear? How do you get present? That doesn't mean you have to like your, you don't have to like your life to get it off your mind. You certainly don't have to like the pandemic to be appropriately engaged with it. I'm not saying this is easy, guys, but I am saying if there's a big difference between complaining about it or worrying about it and being in the driver's seat about what are you going to do now, given the current situation and the current realities. Right. Yes. And that explains so clearly the sort of global worry that I personally have been holding. You know, at a, at a local level, I don't have a lot of personal individual anxiety, but I am worried globally. And I think you have just nailed exactly why. It's because I'm not actually doing anything really and really engaging. So if I'm a person who feels conscientious and like I want to be contributing and engaging meaningfully with what's going on in the environment right now. How do I get started? Well, you know, because like my dog's under control, say, my house is cool, my office is sorted, my yeah. work is great, but like there is still, you know, a virus killing the world. So what, yeah, where do I go? Have you, but Rodney, have you decided what you can't, what you can't change about that? No, I have not. 
you didn't wake up this morning and go, gravity really sucks. <laughs> it's, it's, cause, it, it's causing, you know, b- body parts are sagging. You know, people are dying right now just because yeah. of gravity. And nobody, I, very few people complained about gravity, right? What do you do with gravity? The three things you do with it, you accept it, ignore it, or play with it. Uh-huh. There's the, the Olympics or the, the gravity games, right? And so uh, I'm not saying this is easy to move, to move your mind into that mindset that said, okay, I'm going to accept, you know, there are a whole lot more people that die from malaria than the pandemic ever, mm-hmm. you know, and yet nobody's yelling and screaming about malaria, mm-hmm. right? It just happens to be hitting people that are quite conscious and quite uh, verbally expressive and cognitively expressive and, you know, and it's, it never happened to any to them before, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, the, you, you you have to, you know, it's kind of that old thing. What can you change? You know, have the have the 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 grace to accept what you can't change, and then decide what you can change, and then appropriately engage with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sitting here thinking I can change the the spread of the pandemic, not at all. Best thing I can do is maintain a you know a light consciousness, you know, and 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 send the, my best wishes to the whole thing whenever I meditate or whenever I you know move into that sort of you know, an internal state where I'm just, you know, trying to send my best wishes and best energies around the world to anybody that can use it, mm-hmm. you know, so that's kind of my working hypothesis that we all have the ability to do that and that it does make, have an effect. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing. So I don't have any, so I'm not bothered by, I can't do anything else. What you're talking about is very inspiring and it's also very challenging to assumptions and to habits and to sort of the the norms of most people. But it also, I think, calls into question how much is enough. So, you know, one of the things that's interesting is what you're talking about. It sounds very disciplined and, you know, not robotic, but it, but it could go that route of like, I'm, I'm sort of following the algorithm, I'm identifying, I'm using my attention effectively, I'm doing the work that I want to do and, and having the meaning and the impact I want to have in the world. Um, but we're also human beings We're we're, you know, we're made of, we're made of atoms and we have limitations and we can only be effective for so long. So when you think about like, especially right now in this moment with all the different things going on, how much is enough work? How much is enough output? How much is, how much is enough getting things done? As much as you need to, to get it off your mind. (laughs) (laughs) So you're the barometer. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, my priority is a clear head. Right. What do I need to do to get clear again? Maybe I need to take a nap. Maybe I need to have a beer. Maybe I need to just do nothing for about 10 minutes and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to, you know, put my shoulder to the wheel and grind away and and crank out this ugly email response. I got to sit down and deal with, Mm -hmm. I don't know, which, whichever thing I think will make the biggest difference in terms of getting me back to clear again getting me back to present again. See, the unfortunate thing is productivity has got a lot of baggage as a word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just say people, you say product, you're going to be more productive on my sweat more, work harder, do more stuff. And yet if you go to a party to boogie and you don't boogie, it's an unproductive party. <laughs> right. You go, you, you know, you take a vacation to relax and you don't relax as an unproductive vacation. See, productivity simply means achieving some sort of desired outcome. And everybody's already productive because you're producing exactly what you're experiencing right now. What right. most people mean when they say, I want to be more productive is I want to, for the amount of energy I'm putting in now, I'd like to have more money, more physical things, more, more material output, or it could very well be, I want to be able to get the same amount of material output with less effort, right. or it could be, I'd like to have this experience. I'd like to feel happy this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Right? 
you know, so that's a desired outcome. And then whether you're happy or not, it will be by your own self-determination, how productive your afternoon was. But so if we could get rid of the word productivity, maybe it's just because of all the baggage to it. But, you know, again, it's still, you're not going to get rid of that word because it does, it's a very profound word. It means produce. Right. You know, and you, you can't stop producing. You're producing all the time. So I would, again, appropriate engagement. So appropriate engagement could very well be do nothing for three days. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what I want to do now that my life has changed that much. When Great. When do you think you need to make a decision by? <laughs> you know, the sand is running out of my <laughs> checking account. Probably in a month, I better make some decision if I haven't by then. Great. Why don't you put a little trigger in your system? So a month from now, said, gee, hey, dude, have you decided about X? And then you get to relax and then let yourself mm-hmm. bang around because you know you've built into your external system a trigger to remind you of the appropriate thing at the right time. That's appropriate engagement with ambiguity. I think the unfortunate thing about, you know, the productivity internet is that there's so little talk about those reflections and that like tuning into the self and the needs and like what's going on with me. And there's a lot more of like the work week should be 40 hours. You should only do four hours of, you know, this a day. It's all, it's, it turns into this very numerical, very kind of keeping score kind of game. And what I think is, is that the essence of your model, your mental model and your, and your approach is, is a lot more about sensing and about, you know, intuition and about tuning in to your own lived reality, which I guess is, I don't know, too, too fluffy for, for the folks that are out there trying to make a billion dollars. I don't get it, but I think there's a missing piece there. Well, you know, (laughs) one of my coaches at one point said, you know, ultimately she just had to ask somebody, I said, well, how conscious do you want to be? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I enjoy that very much. (laughs) I like that from my bartender as well. (laughs) You know, okay, uh, come on. And, 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 you know, I, again, I'm not really a proselytizer. I'm I'm not at all my, my game. Mm. And I'm not even a very good trainer. Uh, I'm a pretty good presenter, but you know, uh, I just figured out the model and the people can do with it what they want. Now, the truth is anybody starts to implement this in any way, shape or form, they're going to improve the condition and they, and yeah. you don't have to implement the whole thing. Come on, any little piece, this is not running with scissors, anything you write down a few more things than you normally do. You're going to feel more in control. Mm-hmm. Right. You decide just a next action a little sooner than you normally would. You're going to feel more like you're on your game and in the, in the, in the saddle of your life, you know, so you don't have to go do, you don't have to do major transformation in order to, you know, get yourself a lot more present and a, a lot more productive in the in the broadest, you know, and and the most po- positive sense of, of what we're talking about. And have you noticed, Aaron and I were talking recently uh, in another episode just about noticing sort of the mood <laughs> that we see out in the world and, you know, on social media and things like that, and sort of what people are hungering for. And one of the things that both of us had noticed is that a lot of us do feel like there are a lot of things out of our control right now and are looking for ways in which to regain some semblance of control in our lives. Are you seeing that? And is that leading people to your work in this moment of complexity and chaos? Uh, I don't really know uh, Mm. because in a sense, I'm not, um, I would imagine for a number of people that it is, especially people Mm -hmm. who already know something of the getting things done model. Mm. You know, at least some of the folks that I've said, you know, it's like, wow, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm refining my own getting things done game now because yes. I have an opportunity to do that. 
And so, you know, there's certainly that that's the top end of the, you know, of the population, I think, out there. I think most people probably don't have the time or feel like they don't have the, the opportunity to stop and, you know, kind of reformat and reframe their, 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 their systems. And because I'm not really out there hands on that much, my work is primarily supporting now all of our licensed, you know, partners and, and licensees and, and certified trainers and coaches around the world that are doing the work now. Mm-hmm. Uh, really more than I am personally. Uh, but, you know, it's a, my advice, you know, for anybody who's asking is, hey, guy, it's a great time. If nothing else, clean up your desk. If nothing else, you know, when in <laughs> doubt, clean a drawer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because there, this will end. There will be a post-virus world. And, you know, I, mean, you know, I, I always recommend to people that, even before there was any kind of a crisis, I said, you know, sometimes it's a good idea to take a whole day and do all the secondary stuff you've been avoiding that just, you know, sucking wind out of your sails, the batteries you need to buy, the light bulb you need to get from the hardware store, the, you know, the thing you got to take to the tailor because you need it fixed, et cetera, that, that you just never get to when you're so busy out there, you know, doing mm-hmm. what you're doing. And so sometimes it's good to take a whole day and do all that dumb little dorky stuff that you're still going to have to do anyway. So now might be a really good time to do that. You know, it, it, it kind of, uh, you know, forces you to, to assume and have, the, have hope and faith <laughs> that there will be a post world, you know, here. But uh, this is a great time to clean up because you won't do it once the world starts up again. Oh, I've dedicated a whole week to that at least so far. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. It feels sometimes it feels uh, like you have control when you dial into that minutia. It's those are easy things to get done. Just like move those rocks. Um, And like right now, purging uh, just means fewer things that I have to keep track of. So it's like now's a great time to clean out the closets because it gives me more space psychologically to deal with the world. And Rodney, you know, the funny thing about that is even though that that's like, let's go do the mundane, you know, the Marie Kondo stuff. Let me go go through my closet and see whatever, <laughs> is that the what's fascinating is how many inspiring things about the bigger parts of your life actually tend to show up while you're doing that. Yes. Mm. You know, while you're doing that. Oh, God, that reminds me. Oh, oh, that's a good idea. I ought to. And, mm-hmm. you know, that invariably happens with me whenever I tackle one of those drawers, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I'll bet you guys both have. I don't know. I'll ask you. Everybody I know has got the the weird electronics drawer. Sure. <laughs> you know, the thing the thing crapped out, but the charger. I might need. I, you know, I, I might, might need, need that someday. I might someday. need that. This you goes know, to something. That thing is good. You know. Oh my god. And then there's all kinds of stuff in there. You don't even know what the hell it is. <laughs> you threw it in there because that seemed to be the perfect place for it, and it actually was. You know, here's my crappy, weird, strange. I don't know what it is. Electronics drawer. <laughs> And so if you, if you actually sit down one day and decide, you know, I'm going to curate this thing and you actually start to go through it, you'll be surprised, you know, how many cool thoughts you have and creative thoughts you have that aren't just about what's in that drawer while you're doing that. Yeah, I have noticed that it's, you know, a little bit of the shower principle when you're cleaning out the closet. And I have also noticed that in doing some of those more mundane things, there's also a lot of nostalgia and I'm not a particularly nostalgic person, but right now for, I'm sure what are real psychological reasons. I am just having like more vivid memory than I usually do about things long past. And so there is something about 
going through various corners of a home where you're like, oh, right, remember when I read that book or remember when I wore that hat or remember the trip where I took that bag. And there's something very comforting about that right now. So, you know, the the closet time I think can personally, I've noticed, can be great for ideas, but it can also be great for uh, being transported to other maybe easier moments. Not only that, I, I wrote a, a chat. I think there's a chapter in my book, the, the Ready for Anything book, called The Magic of the Mundane. Mm. And, and, and to spin this back around to a you know, previous topic here in terms of the explicitness, the necessity for explicitness. Because when you get down to the kind of gory, mundane, right now details of stuff, it's amazing how many cool things show up that are much more subtle and sublime than just the thing you're looking at. Yeah. but that you'd never see if you didn't deal with the real details of the mundane about what you need to do. So there is, there is a magic to, to all of that. That's also, it can also be highly productive and highly inspiring, not just about the nostalgia stuff. I, I agree. I mean, it's all, that's all cool stuff as well, but I mean, there really is a, a real good reason to get down and say, well, let me look exactly at what my bank account is doing. Let me look mm-hmm. exactly at what is going on here. And from a holocratic you know, standpoint, what literally has somebody's attention right now? Mm-hmm. Where, is the, where is the tension? And get very specific about what that tension is because you can't do anything about it until you do. I have the unique uh, fortune and misfortune of being married to a woman who was a professional home organizer in the likes of Marie Kondo. And so for me to have mundane drawers full of random things, I have to very <laughs> squirrel them away. Uh, and then they have to be hidden and not discovered. And then some weekend, I, you know, it's put before me and it's like, hey, you got to go through this. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm living with, uh, with an intuitive GTD expert. Um, well, but it is, uh, yeah, it's still yeah, there. But, you know, I make a point. I know it's, it sounds kind of facetious, but there really is a point to it. I say, you know, I'm, usually I've got a, I've got a big group of people and I'm giving a lecture or a seminar or whatever. I say, how many of you have a bunch of crap you just don't want to deal with? Everybody raises their hand. <laughs> I say, well, here's a, here's a way you get to walk free of that. Get yourself a big cardboard box and a big magic marker and label the box crap I don't want to deal with and put it all in there. You get to walk, <laughs> you get to walk free. I love now that. you've now you've clarified specifically you've what this means it. to me. That's yeah. that's like the electronic stuff. I don't know what the yeah. hell this thing is. Here's where those things go that I don't know what the hell it is, and I might need at some point. Check mark. Right. So that's where I might disagree with the Marie Kondo spin on stuff. I love it's it. Like it is absolutely fine as long as there's also needs you need need to have some implicit agreement that on some consistent basis you'll rummage back through it again, and it's fine that you're not doing anything about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's serving a purpose for you, to your point, right? Exactly. If you're, you know, well, it, doing it, that you know, thing the someday maybe list is a euphemism for crap I don't want to deal with or think about <laughs> right now. Right, yeah, same box, just virtually. <laughs> right. So I'm curious, you know, given all your experience with this and given this, I think, very liminal space we're in right now where what's going to happen next is uncertain and interesting, um, what's next for you? Like, what is what are you intentional about or interested in in terms of your work right now? Well... You know, we've kind of re-identified our, our purpose is, you know, building a world and just supporting a world where there are no problems, only projects. So, you know, if I can make a small dent of that before I check out of the planet, you know, I'll feel really good. And so it's like, okay, so at, at what level is that right now? And that's really just kind of ranging around and, and dynamically steering about, well, where, where are people interested in, in knowing about what I've found out? 
and where can I place it and how do I leverage that? See, it took me 20 or 25 years to figure out what I'd figured out and that nobody else had figured it out and that it was unique and that it was bulletproof. That's when I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. And then I said, well, I'd probably take the rest of my life to figure out how to make it stick, <laughs> you know, and how to market <laughs> it and get, get, get anybody to buy into it. You know, so, so, and that I'm not an expert at. So I'm just kind of fumble around, just make sure we're trying to find the right people in the right places to be as efficient as I can with as little effort as possible to reach as many people as possible with what I've discovered in my life. So that, that could take a lot of different forms, you know, for the last year or two and probably, you know, will continue for the the next few years is is supporting our licensees, you know, uh, around the world because they're building their businesses and a lot of them have dedicated their, their businesses now to supporting uh, the getting things done methodology in their own countries and regions and, and markets. And so helping them do that. And so that's a lot of what my focus is. So I do a lot of correspondence and I do a lot of, at least, you know, before, before the pandemic, anyway, I was, I was in Kiev with a, our new licensee there. I was in Moscow with our licensee there. I was in Tel Aviv with our new licensee there. I was in Athens with our new licensee there, you know, <laughs> spending time just kind of shoulder to shoulder and letting, cause there were a lot of pirates for GTD out there. And so once we finally had a model where we could uh, build exclusive licensees in these territories, you know, helpful for me to show up and, you know, stand shoulder to shoulder with them and get press and yeah. let, let the world know, hey, guys, these are the real guys. So that's a lot of what I've been doing and will continue to do. Uh, yeah. yeah. We have uh, we have a lot of empathy for that. The uh, the interplay between feeling like you've figured something out or have a better way and then figuring out how to uh, spread that <laughs> when it yeah. involves behavior change and mindset change and culture change and all those things that are, that are slow going. So it is a a life's work. Um, for people who are listening, who are, who are saying, all right, yeah, I want to do something about this in the next week or in the next day, I'm going to sit down and take action. What would you advise just given the model uh, as kind of parting wisdom for folks that maybe haven't done this work before and want to, want to get started? What's, what's kind of like the three first steps or something like that? Yeah. Well, there's the kind of just informal, you know, without having to learn what GTD or getting things done model is, the informal stuff is just, come on, guys, just empty your heads, you know, do a, do a mm-hmm. mind sweep, get uh, what has your attention and write all that stuff down, get yourself an in-tray or an in-basket if you don't have one, write all those different ideas and things to do. I need cat food, write it on a piece of paper, throw it in your in-basket. Gee, I need to hire a vice president, write it on a piece of paper, throw it in your in-basket. We need a new washing machine, you know, whatever all that is. And so as much of that as you feel you know, that you can, uh, in, in, you know, in a half an hour, an hour, you can get a lot of stuff out of there. Most people have a lot more than they realize. And that's just be a first thing is got, what's got your attention given the new situation. And just to, mm-hmm. just to make that list, that's going to, that's going to feel a lot different. Just, just by externalizing that, getting out of your head, your head is just a crappy office. And most <laughs> people are still trying to manage all this stuff in their head and your head, you can't do it. It just, you know, the, you know, I found discovered 35 years ago, you know, this, but now in the last 10 or 15 years, the cognitive scientists have, you know, basically validated and they've run tests and proven the fact that, uh, you know, trying to, trying to keep things in your head. If soon as you have more than four things, you're trying to remember, remind, prioritize, or manage the relationship between them, you're going to lose your cognitive, uh, you know, abilities. Right. I was interviewing Daniel Levitin not long ago. He wrote uh, The Organized Mind. Mm-hmm. His new book, by the way, uh, Successful Aging is a great book. Anyway, I was talking to Daniel. He's a serious cognitive science researcher. uh, And, you know, I mentioned the four things, you know, in your head. uh, That seems to be some of the newer data. He said, David, that's wrong. I said, wrong? He said, yeah, two. 
<laughs> so I guess, you know, the world is kind of getting that way. So that's just, it just informally without having to even understand what the GTD methodology is. That's step one of the GTD methodology. Now, if you have some bandwidth and actually want to start to implement this and it'll be extremely powerful. We had just published in the last few months, we published the getting things done workbook, which, you know, simplifies engaging with the getting things done methodology. My mm -hmm. book, Getting Things Done, you know, can be quite daunting because I put 35 years of my experience into, into the book. Um, but if you wanted to really get started, you know, we've had some really good instructional designers help us with setting that up. So, you know, the Getting Things to Work, the, the, the 10 moves, you know, that will get you into the GTD game. And the, it's not like offline stuff. It, you'll actually right, be right. doing what we're talking about. So you'll be mm -hmm. making good decisions and, and getting much more in control of your world just by walk, walk, walking yourself through the workbook if you feel like you know doing it. So it's available in bookstores. It certainly seems like this is a good moment for that. Um, Indeed. <laughs> better, better now than ever to, to get yourself ready to go. Um, and, and it also seems like a good moment to draw things to a close. So let me say, uh, David, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Yay. And uh, this, this is fun, guys. Hopefully it's useful for you. I think it is. And hey, everyone, uh, if you could do us a solid like Natalie did and write us a review, which she also sent to me, which I continue to love reading, <laughs> uh, that would be amazing. We appreciate it. Y'all are helping us reach uh, larger and larger audiences every week, which is so, so, so great. So thank you. And as always, a quick tip of the hat to Taylor Marvin for making us sound good. Brave New Work is produced by The Ready, where we help organizations around the world change the way they work. You can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com. And as for you, thanks for listening. Now go change something.